0: If you would, grab your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3. We'll read verses 6 through 15. If you're there, say amen. 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 There you go. We're almost there. Let's read. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toll night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we did not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother." You may be seated. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you this morning. And God, I ask before we even go into this lesson that you would give us your heart this morning. God, not our ways and not our desires or our heart. But Father, you put your desires and your ways in our heart. And Father, I pray this morning that you would teach us what is right and what is good. Father, I know that that it is not for us to punish mankind for their wrongdoing. Vengeance is yours. And Father, it is for us to try to see all of mankind restored. To see all of mankind walk just like your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that as we study the Scripture this morning, that you would keep that in our hearts. That we would understand that everything that we do is for the good of those who we do it to. And Father, I pray that you would teach us everything that you want us to see this morning And that we would not see what we want, but what your way is Father, we love you this morning and we ask for your guidance in this Through your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray, amen If you remember last week, we learned that everything we have comes from God There is nothing that you have that, that you have gained on your own There is no job that you have ever got that you received because of who you are or anything about you. Everything that was given you, everything that you have, every path that has ever been laid out for you, it was the grace of God being bestowed into your life is what it was. It was God's blessing It was not a coincidence that he gave it to you and you were born here where you could possess things and and be rich instead of being born in Ethiopia where you had to beg and plead for your every meal. That's not coincidence. God meant for you to be in this place. God meant for you to be blessed the way that you were. But we learned last week that His purpose behind blessing you when others have so little is so that you can take His blessing and show the love of God to all of mankind. It is for you to take the blessing and the grace of God and to use it to multiply His image by clothing the naked, by feeding the hungry, by visiting the sick, by doing all the things that you have the capabilities of doing because not everyone does. And He gave it to you so that you could show mercy, you could show grace, you could show compassion so that you could show the world what the love of God looks like. But I believe we also learned last week that we have a desire to use the majority of God's blessing on who? Right here. This is where it's going. And we have learned that here in America to live the American dream we buy as much as we can buy on credit until we can only pay enough bills and then whenever we got a debt to income ratio that we'll look at and then once we've maxed out to where all of our income will supply all of our bills then we've made it, right? We're exactly where we're supposed to be according to the American dream when we get there but that's not God's way, it never was God's way. God's way was to bless you to be able to provide for yourself, to enjoy His blessing, and then to be able to take what you don't have to store up and what you don't have to have in excess and to bless someone else with. But we've been selfish with it. If you will remember, last week we talked about a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, as y'all remember from the old Sunday school hymn, he was a what? He was a wee little man. And a away little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, the Savior for to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. Why? For I'm going home with thee. And whenever Jesus went home with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus had spent his whole life chasing after money. He was a tax collector and he had exploited people for their goods. And then he saw Jesus and how much value there was in serving Christ. And when he did, he stood up. And the Bible don't tell us what Jesus said to Zacchaeus when he went to his house. The only thing it says is that Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, I give... Half of my goods to the poor. And if I have wronged anyone and have falsely took from anyone that they did not do me, then I restore 400%. And whenever Zacchaeus said this, Jesus stood up and said, Today salvation has come to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't buy his way into heaven. He didn't buy his salvation. But Jesus looked and he saw what took place in Zacchaeus' life. He knew that first off, Zacchaeus had made him his Lord. Because he said, Lord, look, I give half my goods to the poor. In other words, not only had Zacchaeus made Jesus his Lord, but his desire had just become what Jesus' desire was to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked. And all of a sudden, he said, I give half of my goods to the poor. I see more value in following you as my Lord than I do in continuing to collect these possessions that I have. And then he says, and not only that, but if I've wronged anyone, I repent of that, and I want to restore back to them 400% whatever I have to do to make things right. And Jesus looked at him and he said, the evidence is there that Zacchaeus has just been saved because he claims me as his Lord and not only does he claim me as his Lord but he's following what I would have him to do and there's no question that Zacchaeus has been saved so we saw that whenever we become a Christian Jesus corrects our way that we use our possessions we no longer worry about accumulating and storing up for us and me anymore but instead if we are truly saved if Jesus is our Lord then his desire should be becoming our desire and we should have a heart of love for the poor and a heart of compassion for the needy and there ought to be something inside of us that no longer wants to accumulate wasteful things here but we want to give to those in need. That's what should be taking place and we see that the evidence that it had took place in Zacchaeus's life Was that his life changed in the way that he used his possessions And that's why Jesus was able to say Salvation has come And it has come to Zacchaeus The evidence is there We learned last week that we disconnect the grace of God from his purpose And we use the majority of his blessing to make us rich here If we would be honest we find our happiness and our security in our possessions Amen That's where we find our security. You think about it. If God begins to take your job away, what do you do? It hurts, don't it? You begin to worry. You begin to, all of a sudden, we're not secure anymore. All of a sudden, how are we going to make it? If God begins to take things away from you, you begin to realize we find our happiness and our security in the things of the world, in possessions. But God would have us to find our happiness and our security in serving Him and trusting in Him, right? He's trying to turn this thing around. Jesus teaches us to turn this thing around He calls us to simplify our lives And give to the poor to become rich toward God Is that not what he taught last week? It was a tough message I look out in the crowd today and ain't many back (laughs) That was not a surprise Now maybe they'll all be back It'll be loaded up this week But I'm going to make you a promise Wells Baptist Church Not many of us are going to accept the teaching of Christ in this I'm just going to be real with you If I keep preaching the way I'm preaching, you're not going to see the numbers here grow. Okay? If I keep doing what I'm doing, you're not going to see crowds and multitudes begin to bull up. But instead, you're going to see many that's going to say, just like the rich young ruler that walked away sad because he had many possessions. But Jesus teaches us to turn this thing around to simplify our lives, to be content with what things we have and to sell the excess and to give to the poor and to have a heart of compassion for the needy and to find ways to display the glory of God through the use of our possessions and the things that He has blessed us with. But we disconnect that purpose from what He gives it to us for. And then He summed this thing up last week by telling us don't fear in giving your stuff away. Don't worry about it. He says, Do not fear little flock. You remember that? He said, Don't fear little flock. In other words, I am your shepherd. And if I am your shepherd, you shall not. Won't. He said, I will make you to lie down in green pastures, I will lead you beside still waters, I will restore your soul. I will lead you in the paths of righteousness for my name's sake. He says, I am going to take care of you because I am your shepherd. But not only am I your shepherd, he says, it is your father's good pleasure. In other words, he's not just looking at you as sheep. You are his children. He is your father. And it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of heaven. Rewards that do not fade away. That moth and rust cannot destroy. Thieves cannot break in and steal. It is his good pleasure to give you this kingdom. And if he's giving you the kingdom, that means he is also your king. And how many of you remember that the way that you could tell how good a king was was by looking at how well his subjects were treated. And do you think that God is going to be labeled as a bad king? No. He says, don't fear. I'm going to take care of you. You do my will down here and become rich toward me up there and things are going to be going the way that they need to go for you. With that being said, I asked a question this morning. Is there ever a time not to give our possessions? Do we just give, give, give? Do we, is it always just, just the best thing for us to just give no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance? And the answer is... No, there is a time that we do not give our possessions But it's not due to selfishness We take this scripture that I'm fixing to teach you this morning And we find ways of being able to hold on to that $20 bill in our pocket We've been holding on for so long, ain't that right Nick? That's what we do, ain't it? We take this scripture and we find ways to justify our selfishness This is not what this scripture is about this scripture is about doing what is best for mankind. This scripture is about doing what is most helpful for a person in order to bring them to the place that God means for them to be. So to answer the question, is there ever a time that we do not give our possessions to others, we're going to answer it from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse 6 again. Before I go into this, I want to give you some background on what happened in 1 Thessalonians. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul had wrote them to encourage them to hold fast in their faith because they were undergoing some persecution. And he wanted to make sure that they were staying strong. Because the apostles weren't able to be with them. And they, were, they, they saved them and taught them as much as they could. And then had to leave them alone. And they were scared for them. So he wrote them a letter. And he said, please hold fast to your faith. Don't let anything in this world take you away from following Christ. And then not only did he write them to hold fast their confession of faith, but he wanted them to wait patiently for Christ to return. He told them in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verses one and two, that Jesus Christ could come at any moment, any time. He wanted them to understand that we need to be ready, church. That Jesus could come before services let out today. Do you really believe that? He could. He could come back and judgment could be upon us before services are over this morning. And he wanted them to understand that the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. He's going to be here and gone before you know what happened. And he told them, he says, I want you to wait patiently for him. Well, some people took this thing to the extreme. There were some Christians that decided that since Jesus could come tomorrow, we don't even need to go back to work. (laughs) You know what, Jesus is going to come back tomorrow Ain't nobody going to need water for a shower in the morning, Eddie I'm just going to not go to work at the Pulaski water plant Y'all get your own water Some people were deciding that, you know what Since since Jesus is coming back tomorrow Ain't nobody going to be coming to select food to get nobody to eat So Wanda decides she ain't going to go to work tomorrow And they decided that they took Paul's I ain't saying amen on that, alright Paul had, had told them to wait but he didn't mean for them to just sit there and do nothing and wait but some of them took it to the extreme that we're just going to sit back and we're not going to do anything while we wait on Jesus but Paul says that is not the teaching that I handed down to you so in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6 he begins to teach them what they need to do in this situation He says, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. So Paul gives us a command to withdraw. Now this is tough because this is not a command that we do here in the church today because basically if we do, then you'll just go down the road and you'll find you another church to get involved in. But this was something that he meant to do for the well-being and for the good of these people who were living disorderly. Notice here he says they walked disorderly. So my question is what is Paul talking about when he says disorderly? We'll keep going. He says disorderly is anyone who walks not according to the tradition which he received from us. So the question we have to ask here is Paul What tradition did you hand down when you were here the first time so that we can know what walking disorderly looks like in this situation? So in verse 7, he answers. He says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. The first thing Paul wants to know is we did not walk this way. It was not disorderly, but instead, he says, we did not eat. He goes on to the next part. He says, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. He said, we didn't come in there expecting for a handout. We didn't come in here expecting to just do nothing and get something. We came in here and here's how we did He says we um, did not eat anyone's bread free of charge But here's what we did We worked with labor and toil Night and day And here's why That we might not be a burden to any of you Paul said listen It is a good thing to give to the needy It is a good thing to give to the poor But God has ordained man to work You know work is not a result of the fall Hard labor is a result of the fall but work was established before the fall. God put Adam in the garden before he fell and he told him to tend it, keep it. In other words, God meant for Adam to work long before the fall ever took place. But it wasn't hard labor. It was only after the fall that God said, Now thorns and thistles it's going to bring forth for you. Now in the sweat of your brow you're going to eat your bread. In other words, before the fall, work Was a good thing It was not something that was a terrible thing to have to do So he says here that we labored with toll night and day That we might not be a burden to any of you And then he goes on and he says in verse 8 Or verse 9, I'm sorry Not because we do not have authority But to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us He says, listen As an apostle Or as a leader of the church, we have authority to eat your bread free of charge simply because we are spiritually feeding you. Therefore, you should materially keep us fed. He's saying, according to the law of God, we have authority to eat the bread. But we didn't because we wanted to make ourselves an example of how you should follow In other words, you should not, if it is in any way in your control, you should not make yourself to be a burden on someone else, right? But instead, there ought to be a desire in us to want to work with our hands so that we can help ease the burdens of others. So he's saying here, we walk before you not disorderly, but we worked night and day So that we might be an example of how you should follow. Paul says in the next verse, in verse 10. That there is a time when you should not give to others. And here it is. In verse 10. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. This was a command from Paul. A Christian command. He says, if anyone will not work, then what is the result? (laughs) Pretty simple, ain't it? In other words, if you won't work, that means that you should get what? Hungry or nothing. If you won't work, you should get hungry. That is a good thing for you. You know why it's good? Because maybe if you get hungry enough, it'll put you back in a place where you'll get up and work. Paul is not talking about, and I want to be real careful when we go into this, because listen, Paul's not talking about the disabled. Now I'm not saying just because you get disability that you're disabled. All right. Now I believe that there are people out there that need disability that can't get it. I believe there are people out there that are on disability that don't need it. So I'm not saying it just because you're disabled. You have to evaluate your own life here. And you have to be able to answer for yourself before God in this. You see that? You see where I'm coming from? God is not saying that if you're disabled and you can't work, that you should not eat. No, those are the very ones that I believe the church has responsibility to take care of, not our government. I'm just going to be real with you. I believe that's mine and your responsibility to take care of them. Not the government. I believe if the government is there to benefit them, then so be it. But I believe that there ought to be a list back here in Wells Baptist Church of people who cannot care for themselves because of disability and that we monthly provide for them. I really believe that. I believe that he's not talking about the elderly here. I believe you reach a certain age, you can't work anymore. I really believe that. I believe there are things that, I'm, I don't believe he's talking about the sick here who get into a situation where they can't work anymore. He's talking about lazy. Y'all, y- y- y'all think you know what lazy is, don't you? Let me, let me show you just a few pictures and let's just see if y'all can figure out what lazy is. Tim, go through just a few of them one at a time for me. Now that right there, when you think about lazy, you look at that picture right there and you think, oh, that dude is lazy, Right? That's what you think. All right. And you know what? Maybe so. He's doing nothing. Um, We don't know if he's been at a hard day's work. We don't know if he's sick. But if he's done that all day long and he ain't tried to get no work, he ain't tried to find no job, then we can look at that and we can say, that dude's lazy, right? All right. Go on to my next picture. Now we look at that picture right there, and we see that there is a man that is decided that instead of walking his dog, he's going to drive his dog. So we would look at that picture and we would say, that dude, he's got to be lazy, right? All right, we'll go on with my next picture. <laughs> we look at that picture right there, and we see that um, we got a four wheeler. You know, we got a push mower. Put the two together, what you got? You gotta ride in lawnmower. So we put it together and this is the way that we find ways to make things easier for us and that means that we are lazy. Go on to the next picture. Can everybody tell what that is? That is a tree, limb that is laying over in the road and the city worker or the state worker whoever it was that went driving down through there painting the lines decided that instead of getting off his painter because, you know, they would have to stop the machine and stop the flow of paint. I mean, it's so much involved in stopping, right? He would have to stop. So instead of stopping, let's just go around this thing. And if we paint the line around it, that means everybody else has to go around it too, right? So we see here that this right here is... Laziness. Go on to the next picture. (laughs) I'm not not even going to go there. All right, back to our scriptures. Paul's talking about the lazy right here. He's talking about, but being lazy doesn't necessarily mean doing nothing. You can be busy and still be lazy, okay? I'm going to go into a little bit of that here in a few minutes, but think about this. Paul is talking about what lazy is And there are many things in the Bible that help us define what lazy is One of the words the Bible uses for lazy is sluggard When you go through the book of Proverbs and you see the word sluggard The Bible's talking about lazy is what it's talking about When you go through the Bible and you see the word slothful The Bible talking about lazy And if you define these two words by definition of the Hebrew word Here's what it means One who does not make proper decisions and one who cannot or will not make up their mind to do what is most needful and important. In other words, lazy means that you may be working a job painting the line, but you can't make a good decision that when the tree is in the road to get off the machine, move the tree out of the way and paint a straight line. Instead, you go around the tree, paint a crooked line. Lazy is is not that you don't want to walk your dog It's that you would rather get in your car and drive your dog And let's just be honest Most of us in here this morning A lot of us are lazy Right? But He's talking about right here Sluggards He's talking about slothful people So let's ask the question Who is lazy? Who is a sluggard? Look at Proverbs 21 verse 25 And Tim if you can just go through them real quick for me Y'all ain't got a turn We'll have them up here He's got them The desire of the lazy man kills him For his hands refuse to labor So first off Who is lazy? Number one Those who have a desire to do nothing He says the desire of the lazy man It kills him His desire is to do Nothing and because he desires to do nothing, he refuses labor. And guess what happens to him? It kills him. And unless he changes his laziness, what is the best case scenario for this guy? Death. So in other words, something has to take place in his life to change his laziness, right? So we got to do what's best for this man. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 24. A lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Some won't even feed themselves. I want you to think about what this is actually saying here. When a man would choose to sit on the couch as to get out and go find a job to feed himself, is he any different than this guy right here? He won't even so much as lift his hand out of the bowl to bring it back to his mouth again to feed himself. And unless something changes in his life, the best case scenario for him Is death. Proverbs 26 verse 13. The lazy man says, there's a line in the road, a fierce line in the streets. Now, you got to think about this one. You got to think about it, all right? The lazy man says, there's a line in the road. What you have to understand here is this. The lazy man will come up with every excuse he can find. He will come up with, he will imagine all kind of things and reasons why he cannot go out and work. The lazy man will decide that, you know what, my back hurts today. And because my back hurts today, I'm just going to lay here on this couch and not go to work. Well, listen to me. Sometimes just because your back hurts don't mean you get to stay home. I know a lot of people go to work every day because, because they have to feed their families and they're hurting. They got to. They got to feed the cattle and they're hurting. They go to work every single day and they're hurting. Now granted, I understand there are times in situations where you cannot. I understand that. What you have to ask yourself is this. Are you choosing to just not go to work or can you really not go? And if you cannot go, then yes, I understand there are times you need to be helped. But only you can evaluate whether you are the one that sits there and says, there's a line in the road. But look on down, look at verse 16, Tim. Look at 26 verse 16, because it goes on down. He says, there's a line in the road, a fierce line is in the streets. But then let's say that there are seven men that have a reasonable answer. There are seven men that come to this lazy person, Nick, and they say, There's not a line in the road. It's just a little kitty cat. (laughs) It looks like a line, but it's a kitten. Your door makes it look like a magnifying glass. Look at what he says. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. In other words, the lazy man so believes that there is a line in the street, he so wants to believe that he cannot work He so wants to believe it that even if seven men with a sensible answer come to him and tell him, you can work, he says, y'all are stupid. You don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm in. Well, maybe you're right. But listen, ask yourself the question, am I lazy or do I just not Am I lazy or am I just not going to work? What is, what is really needful in my life? So those who find every excuse not to work is a lazy. He creates imaginary circumstances to justify not doing his work. You can be busy and still be lazy. Being lazy is not just doing nothing. It is neglecting to do what is most needful and most important. Let me give you an example. I have two choices come Monday. I can go to work or I got a boat sitting out in the yard. Guess what else I can do? I can go fishing. I got two choices. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with me taking a day to go fishing, right? Ain't nothing wrong with that. But how many days can I take to go fishing before I can't feed myself any longer? I have to make the decision that is most important for me and my family. And sometimes that means I got to go to work. Sometimes that means I can't go fishing. So you can still be busy and still be lazy, Choosing to go fishing every day instead of working to provide for your family that is not making the proper, proper decision to do what is needful and important. He's lazy. He's slothful. He's a sluggard according to God, not according to me. Matthew 25 verses 24 through 28. We'll go through these pretty quickly. Matthew chapter 25 verses 24 through 28. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Keep going. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and what? And lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Verse 27 So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers And at my coming I would have received back my own with interest Look at verse 28 So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents Y'all know this story Parable of the talents One got ten, one got five, one got one the one that had ten went out and he used his ten to bring glory to his master. And when his master come back, he had got ten more. The one that had got five, he had used his five to bring glory to his master and he had gained more. But the one that received one talent, he was busy. You know what he did? He went digging in the ground. Oh, he was busy. He was busy. But he was not doing what was most needful, what was most important. Instead, he was doing what he thought he wanted to do. And because of that, Jesus comes back to him and he said, You wicked and lazy servant. You should have at least invested my talent with the banks. If you couldn't find a hungry person to feed, you should have at least went to the church and put it in the offering plate. At least then when I come back, I would have received what was mine plus some in interest. In other words at least then it would have went to something that served for my glory and my kingdom you should have at least done this but instead you chose to be wicked and lazy so being busy, you can still be lazy. Matthew 23, verse 23. The Pharisees had been busy, but they were neglecting the most important and needful things. Look what Jesus said. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you pay a tithe of mint and anise and cummin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He said you were busy doing all these things, but you were neglecting what was most important. And because of that, you are lazy. And God has a lot to say about lazy. He said laziness leads to want. Want leads to death. Paul was dealing with these people who were busy in Thessalonians, but they were lazy and needed to be corrected. Go back to 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 11. Look what he says. We're going to wrap this thing up. Because I think y'all got the heater on in here this morning. I can't take much more of this. <coughs> 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. He said in verse 10 that if anyone will not work, neither shall they eat." And then verse 11, He said, "For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are what? He said, "Oh, you've been busy, You've been busy, but you've been a busy body." You've been running around doing things that you should have been out working, providing. You should have been out working with your hands, making money, and things that you could help to ease the burdens of others, but instead, you've just been a busybody. He says, you ain't been working at all. And in verse 12, Paul gives a command to these lazy people. Listen what the command is. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. He said listen, the command goes out to us lazy people Get up, go to work Get up and work with your hands which is good So that you will have to give to him who has need Paul had commanded this very thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 11 and 12 We'll read that real quick In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 listen to what he said He said that you also aspire to lead a what? A quiet life, to mind your what? Your own business, not being a busybody, mind your own business. And to work with your own hands as we have commanded you, and in verse 12, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside. That word outside actually translated means those who are without. In other words, it actually means those who have have need. He says that you work with your hands which is good that you may walk properly toward those who are without and that you may lack nothing. Get up, go to work. And then in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28, look what Paul said to the Ephesians. Let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him what? Labor. Labor. Working with his hands what is good. He said it's a good thing to work with your hands and here's why. That he may have something to give to him who has need. He said, The true Christian is not lazy. The true Christian is the one that has such a desire in his heart that he stands up and says, Look, Lord, I'm going to work and I'm giving all that I can to the poor, and I have compassion for the needy. The true Christian says, God, I see so much value in serving you. Do you know, how many of you would change jobs right now if you could double your salary? Farmer. Farmer. Carson's going to be a farmer. He said, he's not changing. That's all right. But if you could double your cows, Carson, there you go. (laughs) You see where I'm getting at? Basically, doubling is good, right? That's right. It's good. All right, well, let me ask you this. How much per hour do you think it pays working for God? What do you think God's minimum wage is? It's far greater than anything, any job that you can ever possess down here. So why don't you trade your old job in for your new job? Why don't you trade your minimum wage job in for your um, priceless dollar per hour job and lay up riches in heaven? Why don't you start working with your hands what is good So that you can have something to give to him who has need Then you will become rich toward God Laying up treasures in heaven Which no thief can break in and steal No moth and rust can destroy It is eternal So he says to those in Second Thessalonians chapter 3 That are lazy Get up, go to work in quietness And eat your own bread And then in verse 13 And I'm going to try to wrap this on up I ain't said closing yet, all right? I just said wrap up. I'm still rapping. Verse 13. But as for you, brethren, and here is for the ones that have been working, how many of you know that many times whenever you give to someone in need that you're going to get took advantage of? 99.999% of the time, especially here in America, you're going to get took advantage of. You're going to give to somebody and they're going to take that money and they're going to use it for something that ain't got no business using it for. And how many of you know that after you get took advantage of so many times, your heart begins to say, you know what, I ain't giving no more. So Paul says, I understand that you've been being took advantage of. Paul says, I understand that, that, that people have been coming in here not working, but they've been eating off your bread. They've been mooching off of you, taking advantage of you. He says, But here's what I need for you to do. But as for you, look what he says Don't grow weary. (laughs) Don't grow weary in doing good. Oh, I'm telling you, it's very easy for us to take on the attitude of, you know what? All they want to do is just take, 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 take. Ain't it? It's easy. But Paul says, Don't get that attitude. Don't grow weary in doing good. He told us, I want you to think about what he said whenever uh, he was talking to the Galatians. I think it was Galatians chapter 6 verses 9 and 10. Look what he told them. Let us not grow weary while doing, doing good, for in due season we shall reap if what? If we don't lose heart. He said if you grow weary and quit because you get taken advantage of, You won't reap in due season. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to who? To everybody. Let us do what? Good. Not let us give our possessions to everybody. The object here is that we do what is good, what is right to everybody, especially to those of the household of faith. In other words, God says, you've got a primary responsibility to care for the ones that I have put in your possession, your family. Wells Baptist Church, especially to these people right here. Because you know what the Bible says about a man who does not provide for his own? He says, anyone who will not provide for his own is worse than an unbeliever. How does God view an unbeliever? (laughs) He said, whoever does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he's worse than an unbeliever. He said, we have a duty to provide for the poor that God sends our way, for the needy that God sends our way. But, he says, if anyone will not work, Neither shall he eat The goal is to do good to all Sometimes giving people money or possessions Is not doing good to them Sometimes people need to get hungry Listen to this Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians Thessalonians 3.14 He says And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle Note that person and do not keep company with him Why? Why do we not keep company with him? That he may be what? Ashamed He said, there's reason if you're lazy to be ashamed. He said, and if that is the case, that the best thing for you to do to this person, once you have fully established that they will not help themselves, withdraw from them. Withdraw from them and then make them get up and go to work. But it is not to punish them. It is what is best for them so that they may be ashamed. And then look what he says next in verse 15. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but what? Admonish him as a brother In other words, this is not punishment This is correction Telling you to get up off your lazy tail And go to work So think about what Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says Brethren, if a man is overtaken in what? Any trespass, even laziness You who are spiritual, what? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness Considering yourself lest you also be tempted In other words, we correct the lazy gently Considering ourselves lest we also be tempted one day to be lazy Guess what? Every one of us are tempted to be lazy So he says here we correct them with gentleness We withdraw from them and we persuade them Go to work Do what you need to do to provide for yourself. And sometimes that means withdrawing our hand from them. Finally, this is it. There are times that in order to do what is best for people, you should not give to them, but you should withdraw from them. But this should only be done once correction has been made and they are unwilling to do what is needed. There is a process for this. That's the reason why you deacons use a benevolence application. People think you've got to fill out an application to get help. Yes, we fill out an application to get help because we want to see what kind of plan you've got. Are you someone that needs continual help? Are you someone that needs to be put on a list that we need to help you every month? Or are you someone that we're going to help you this time? And then see if you will begin to change some things. And then we will even help you next time and try to help you change some things. But there will eventually come a point that when we see you're going to do absolutely nothing to change anything, guess what? That's it. We're done. Not to punish you, but to help you learn. Get up, get to work, and do what needs to be done. There's a process for this. Don't grow weary in doing good, people. Begin to decide, don't begin to decide that everyone can do better than what they're doing. That's what we'll do if we're not careful, ain't it? We'll look around, we'll go, you know what? Everybody can do better than what they're doing. Listen, you take the process to sway on the side of mercy and compassion. And say, you know what? That alcoholic, he probably could do better, but I tell you what. Let me go and give him a 20. Help him. Try to, try to persuade him to use this for a good thing. Put him in some good clothes. Give him a shower. Let me try to do something to try to push him in this direction. And then after I've done all that I can do and I see that he's not going to help himself, then yeah, absolutely. We pull the plug. And we let him learn that laziness and his bad decisions leads to his own death is what it leads to. Let us always stay on the side of mercy and compassion. Look at Proverbs 19, 17. I'm going to read this He who has pity on the poor What does he do? He's lending to the Lord And he will pay back what he has given (laughs) In other words God said I'm going to pay you back When you have pity on the poor I'm going to pay you back And God has spoken And what he says he will uphold Maybe you're lazy this morning This is my invitation Maybe you're lazy this morning. Here's what you need to do. Realize your condition and awake from it. Ephesians 5, 14 through 16. Let me read that to him. It's my last scripture. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Keep going. See then that you walk circumspectly Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. He said, make sure that every day you're walking, you're making making the most of your time. Making the best out of every moment that God gives you. Making the best decisions that you can make. Not choosing to be lazy. If you're lazy, awake you who sleep and rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Walk being watchful and diligent. Redeeming the time. Maybe you grow, you've grown weary of doing good. Anybody in here ever done that? Maybe you've grown weary of doing good and always being taken advantage of and you've wanted to be hard-hearted and not merciful toward others in need. Ask God to forgive you this morning and remind yourself that your reward is from God. You will reap if you do not lose heart. If you lose heart, guess what? You will not reap. It is our duty to give our possessions to those in need but sometimes it is not what's best for them for us to give our possessions make sure we sway on the side of mercy and compassion and then when we see there's nothing else that they will do then you withdraw from that brother to admonish him y'all stand this morning. The altar is open for whatever you need. Maybe this has nothing to do with you this morning. Maybe you just need to bow your head in prayer and talk to God about something else. Maybe you just want to humble yourself before Him for for some other reason. I don't know. But I ask you this morning that, that you take advantage of whatever it is that God has spoke to you about this morning. You've got this time to do it.